Welcome to Revive Families Connecting Hearts with researcher, author, speaker, and coach Jeff Schott. Jeff is devoted to keeping the hearts of parents and kids connected. He developed Influential Parenting, a comprehensive program designed to help parents target the root of behavior issues rather than whacking away at the surface. Jeff also wrote the book Going, Going, Gone, which helps parents understand the reasons kids depart the faith. It gives parents the information they need to open conversations with their kids to prevent this outcome. Learn more about Revive Family, its resources and coaching for families at revivefamily.com. Thank you for joining me this week for Revive Families Connecting Hearts. I'm Jeff Schott, and we're continuing in this series called Mama Bear, Amazing Moms. And moms truly are amazing. Last week in part one of the session, we looked at the study that shows that the average mom works about 98 hours a week or 2.5 full-time jobs. In so many ways, moms are stronger than dads. They have more words to use every day than, than men do. They have more emotional bandwidth, and clearly they have stamina to put in this kind of hours. So I tip my hat to you moms out there that are listening. And dads, I really feel like this series is important for you to listen to, too. If you missed last week's kickoff to the Amazing Mom series, I'd really encourage you to go back and listen to it. You can go to revivefamily.com forward slash podcasts, and you'll be able to listen to that because... It was a really important session for both moms and dads to listen to because it talks about all of these hours and the impact it can have on moms and it can move towards burnout. And this is where dads, we need to step in and realize that it's really important for our moms to get breaks. So if you didn't listen to that session, I'd really encourage you to go back to our site, revivefamily.com, go to our podcast area and listen to it. In so many ways, moms are amazing. They serve as the center of our families while facing more pressure and time constraints than ever before. According to all the research, this leaves many moms feeling weary, maybe even isolated or on the verge of burnout, which is what we really covered in session one. The sheer number of hours moms work, the pressure to be super mom, and the pressure that moms tend to put on themselves can take the joy out of life. And if moms aren't happy, the research shows that oftentimes families aren't happy. And this week, we're going to talk about dealing with the stress and the isolation of being a mom. The fact that the study shows that the average mom works 98 hours a week or 2.5 jobs is stressful in its own right. But there are a number of contributing causes that lead to this increasing number of hours that moms are investing in this essential role in kids' lives. One of the factors is the fact that the number of hours the average mom works has increased from 9 to 25 hours over the past few decades, and the average number of hours spent directly investing in childcare activities has also gone up from 10 to 14 hours a week. Of course, some of this is driven by economic factors, but there's also this societal pressure to be super mom that can leave moms feeling guilty even when they're putting in more time than any of their predecessors did. When you combine this societal pressure with mom's inherent protective instincts, it can leave moms feeling like they're on a treadmill that will never end. 
which all these hours and all of this pressure can leave moms at risk of burnout, which leads to emotionally distancing from kids, a gradually developing cynicism that increases the negativity about our kids, our families, and our lives, and actually doing the opposite of what's needed where this burnout will lead people to taking on more and more responsibility, often alienating one's spouse from the situation, and then that can lead to difficulty sleeping. If you'd like to learn more about burnout, its validity what causes it, and answers that you can employ in your life, then I'd encourage you to listen to my podcast, The Importance of Downtime. The podcast will help you understand the roots of what causes burnout, its psychological validity, and what you can do in your life. If you'd like to listen to that podcast, please go to revivefamily.com, use our contact form, and contact me with the simple message burnout, and I'll send you a link where you can listen to that podcast. For some of you moms out there, just listening to this may have stressed you out. So for that, I apologize. But it's vitally important for you to understand the workload you're under, the importance of taking a break, and what causes burnout so you can avoid it because it will dramatically negatively impact your life and your family. And this week, we're looking at the sources of stress and the isolation, as well as things you can do to manage the stress and insights that will alter your perspective of your role that will make it easier to take the pressure off yourself and to get those breaks that moms, the research is showing you need. And that's all in week one of this series. One of the things that can create a lot of stress for moms is the sense that they either always need to be with their child or constantly in touch with and or tracking their kid. This sense of always needing to be with your child or needing to know where they are and in touch with them constantly adds a lot of stress and is a constant energy drain because it's always circling in the back of your mind. And while you may not realize it, what I've discovered from working with so many moms in so many different situations is that with all the craziness going on in our society and the perceived dangers that could enter our kids' lives, I found a lot of moms are really dealing with fear, often without realizing it. In so many ways, fear is stress. Just like real bears out in the wilderness, moms have a high protective instinct. The last thing you want to do is get between a mama bear and its cub. And this protective instinct is there for a reason, especially as our kids are younger. Little kids will do some of the craziest things. Touch the hot stove, step out in front of a car. I'll never forget Jennifer. One Christmas we gave the two girls an electric vehicle that they could both sit in and ride in. And Jennifer would hop in that thing hit our driveway, and just go driving out into the middle of our street without even thinking about a car. She was never really looking where she is going. She's Miss Social Butterfly and always distracted. And she would be just happy and waving and smiling and drive right out into the street in front of a car. Luckily, we weren't on a busy street, and we were on a street where people tended to go slow because it was a neighborhood. And so there was never an issue, but it was one of those things that always kicked off moms protective instinct. So moms are hardwired to fear things that could hurt, damage, or lure their kids away from them. And from working with moms who have kids that are approaching adolescence, 9, 10, 11, 12, 
as they start to seek more autonomy, oftentimes that can lead to more stress or more fear in the heart of a mom. And just to point out how strongly the fear can actually impact us as parents, and especially the mama bears who love their kids, I want to share this short story. I was doing an event at a church. Most of the time, there'll be one staff member there from a church, but at this church, the entire staff was there, including the senior pastor. And I love doing these events in churches with parents because after every session, unlike a typical speaker, I leave a chunk of time for Q&A. And I think it's because I'm so transparent in my teaching, parents really open up in these times and frankly ask me a lot of really hard questions which I truly enjoy answering and I've found have been really beneficial to me, my learning, and to our impact that we can have in families. At this church, as the senior pastor sat in through the entire conference and through all the Q&As, we got to the last Q&A and it went a good long time. I think it was 45 minutes an hour. And about 45 minutes into the Q&A period, the pastor said, hey, Jeff, can I share something? And I said, sure. And he stood up and said to his parents, I had no idea parents were so afraid. The fear in this room is palpable. And as I've listened to Jeff and what he teaches related to the Good Shepherd and why he had influence in the disciples' lives that protected them, I've got to say I've been convicted and I'm going to be changing everything I'm doing with my two daughters. And he went on to talk a little bit about how we shouldn't live in fear. And I think what was surprising watching the audience's reaction to what the pastor had to say was the fact that they were, I think, truly realizing maybe for the first time that many of the decisions they were making were rooted in the fear of the what-ifs, what might happen, which left their kids feeling not listened to, believed in, and trusted, and was damaging the relationship. I spent all this time addressing the fear that I see in parents because fear has some really negative impacts on our health as well as our emotional well-being. On a site called Taking Charge of Your Health, there's an article, The Impact of Fear and Anxiety, and its subtitle is Facing Fear and Anxiety at Home. I thought the article did a really good job of defining what fear is and addressing the impacts it can have on us and our families. The article says this, fear is a human emotion that is triggered by a perceived threat. And moms and dads, I know we see these threats in their friends, in the social media, in the online predators, and the list goes on and on. The article goes on to describe that fear is a basic survival mechanism that signals our bodies to respond to danger with a fight or flight response. Basically, it's an essential part of keeping us safe. But research shows living in constant fear, whether from physical dangers, environmental threats, or perceived threats, people can literally become incapacitated. And when fear is triggered for us or our kids, it literally releases hormones that slow down or shut down functions that in our bodies that aren't needed for survival, such as the digestive system. So if you're dealing with chronic issues digestively, maybe we need to step back and look at how much are we living in unconscious fear. These hormones also sharpen functions that help us survive, such as eyesight, our heart rate increases, our blood flow increases to the muscles so that we can run faster, which can also enhance our frustration or anger responses. 
This is why parenting or reacting out of fear is really not a good plan to have a great relationship with your kid and to gain the influence like Jesus had with the people and disciples of his time. The article goes on to describe how fear impacts our thinking. Once fear is encountered and the hormones are released, the pathways in the brain react in predictable ways. The first thing that happens is that the brain actually short-circuits more rational processing paths. The brain reacts immediately to signals from, from the situation instead of taking time to approach things with more rational processing. In this overreactive state, the brain tends to perceive things negatively, even if there are significant positive signals within whatever the event is that triggered the fear. So yes, today our society is dangerous. Yes, there are many risks for kids, especially as they approach and enter and head through adolescence. But if we begin to operate in fear, we begin to make decisions based upon fear, I can pretty much say from my research with 4,000 kids, you're heading down a road that's going to get difficult with your kid, either difficult in the terms of pushback and conflict or difficult in the fact that they act the part for you Everything seems fine, but underneath, they're not happy, they're hurt, and they begin to lead dual lives. When we come back in just a minute, we're going to talk more about this fear, how we can begin to see things differently, and how we can manage our stress so that moms, you're not always on the emotional edge, you're not constantly tired, and you're not at that risk of burnout. Your job is difficult enough already. We don't need to add some of these misperceptions and fear to the equation that will actually make it more difficult down the road. I'll be back in a couple of minutes with Revive Families Connecting Hearts. Does your child listen to you and do what you ask? Are you tired of the battles? There is hope and a fresh approach to this tiring dilemma. Researcher, counselor, and parenting coach Jeff Schott has done research with 3,500 kids that identifies why kids stop listening and hide in their rooms. The program is called Influential Parenting, and it brings a new perspective to these issues. It's bringing joy and peace back to the parent-child relationship. Get Influential Parenting today at revivefamily.com radio. Welcome back to Revive Families Connecting Hearts. I'm Jeff Schott, the founder of Revive Family, and we're doing this series called Mama Bear, Amazing Moms. And in today's program, we're talking about the stress and isolation that moms can face. And we've been talking about how fear can add to our stress in substantial ways. Living under fear has serious health consequences from cardiovascular damage to irritable bowel syndrome, decreased fertility, accelerated aging, and even premature death can be tied to living in fear. Fear also can impair long-term memories and cause damage to certain parts of the brain, such as the hippocampus. A bunch of really good reasons to stop and assess how afraid are you for your kids and how much is that fear impacting the way you interact with them, the way you approach them, and your relationship with them? Because if the relationship is eroding because we're making decisions out of fear, that's going to increase our fear and our stress. In fact, the research shows that fear can also interrupt processes in our brain that allow us to regulate our emotions, read nonverbal cues from our kids, 
as well as other information they present, which I know from working with so many families causes kids to feel hurt, rejected, not listened to, or understood. So how do we address fear? A big part of it is changing our perspective. Our perspective of the world, our perspective of our roles as parents, and our perspective of our kids. If our goal is to raise adults who are ready for life on their own, we need to be teaching them how to perceive things, how to read situations, and how to protect themselves as opposed to trying to jump in and protect them, which truly it's physically impossible for a parent to do because we've got to allow our kids more autonomy as they grow older, according to all the research. We need to start believing that our kids are capable and smart enough and willing to make good decisions because they want to succeed. Yes, there are a lot of dangers in our culture, but there are not as many as we might think. In fact, the Department of Justice statistics show that it's 30% safer today for kids than when we grew up. And no, this isn't because parents are monitoring their kids or helicoptering their kids, because what I'm finding is those kids are working with their friends to get around their parents' rules and restrictions and leading very devious, deceptive dual lives that actually put them in more danger. Why is it safer? Because the good old boys network has broken down. Stories are actually covered related to kids being sexually assaulted and taken. There are great efforts underway related to child sex trafficking. And the consequences for crimes against kids have been ramped up and the consequences are even higher than one is incarcerated. So the deterrents are greater than they've ever been. So relax. It's safer out there for our kids than we believe, especially if we have a great relationship with them. We're talking with them and we're helping them learn to protect themselves as opposed to us trying to jump in and control them. So moms, What is science saying that can help you relax, that can help you take the pressure off yourself? In an article, 10 New Things Science Says About Being a Mom, put out by Smithsonian Institute, a number of things that science is indicating that can help us relax, such as how much time a mom needs to spend with her child, it doesn't matter as much as we think. The article actually says quality rules. Research published in the April issue of the Journal of Marriage and Family says that the quantity of time parents spend with their children doesn't make much of a difference in how they turn out, particularly during what would seem to be the impressionable ages between the ages of 3 and 11. The quantity of parent-child time matters a bit more, actually, with teenagers. In fact, it found that more one-on-one time can help adolescents stay out of trouble, but it's not as critical between the ages of 3 and 11. Overall, the researchers suggest that it's about the quality of time spent together, and what makes a difference there, they say, is how warm and affectionate a mom is with their child. This should help us moms as we consider giving our kids more autonomy. Research out there is showing that the amount of autonomy our kids have is really important for them developing decision-making skills, developing their confidence, and it's really valuable to psychological health, believe it or not. So if you're one of those moms that feels like you've got to spend more time with your kid, you've got to spend more time with your kid, maybe that's not the case. Maybe you need to relax, 
let the pressure off and focus on finding those warm, special times that will communicate affection to your child. And this should be good news for working moms. In fact, a Harvard study said this, kids of working moms grow up just as happy as the kids with stay-at-home moms, and perhaps this is because they naturally end up with a bit more autonomy. In another section of the article, The 10 Things Science is Saying About Moms, the title of the section is A Little Math with Your Dinner. found that young kids whose mothers talk with them about math at home, particularly during meals, tend to end up with better math skills. The study, conducted by the University of Michigan and others, found that when moms did more than teach counting to their kids, say they talked about measurements and recipes or counted money with them, those children developed better math skills at a younger age. Which should be good news to you moms. You don't need to sit down and necessarily pull out flashcards or run your kids through drills. It's simply involving them in your life. When you're in the kitchen, showing them how to measure things. When you're at the store, showing them the total on the cash register screen and showing those bills and this change. Which means we can't always be using the plastic, can we? Our kids learn way more by living life with us than they do by being taught or lectured. So take the pressure off to be super mom and just involve your kids as you're going through the routines of life. And as it pertains to this whole pressure of being super mom and the stress that moms find themselves under, here are some strategies that can help manage the stress. From the article, Parenting, Being a Super Mom Stressing You Out, the first step is to understand how you experience stress. This takes some self-reflection and asking yourself some questions like, how do you know when you're stressed? How are your thoughts or behaviors different from times when you don't feel stressed? Everyone experiences stress differently, and so taking the time to reflect and identify the sources of stress when you feel stressed and how your thoughts and behaviors change can be a huge benefit, especially for a mom interacting with their kids. The article talks about identifying triggers that lead to stressful feelings. Are they related to your children, your family, your health, financial decisions, work, relationships, or something else? Recognize how you deal with stress. Determine if you're using unhealthy behaviors to cope with stress and being a parent. The article suggests, do you make unhealthy choices as a result of feeling rushed or overwhelmed? This can relate not just to our eating or a tendency to get frustrated with oneself, but it can also lead to unhealthy communication patterns with our kids. Part of managing stress is actually taking time to look at everything in your life and prioritize and be willing to sacrifice some of the things that aren't a priority so that you're not as rushed, not as pressured in life. This includes prioritizing and delegating responsibilities potentially to our kids, but the way we do that isn't in chores. It's by sharing about our stress, by being transparent with them and asking them for help. That will pull on a kid's heart and their internal desire to help you. And then find your healthy ways of managing stress. 
consider stress-reducing activities like taking a short walk, exercising, talking things out with friends, sharing your feelings with your family. All of these things serve as a way of venting out. We'll combine some of these things along with changing our perspective related to our kids' capability and the ability to protect themselves and our role being to train them to protect themselves. It can really reduce the fear and stress. It's important when we start to realize what causes stress and the things we need to change that we don't try and tackle it all at once. That will overwhelm us, stress us out, and cause us not to make any progress. Find one thing you want to work on first. Work on that and then tackle the next. The article goes on to say if stress and anxiety or fear is a constant thing and you're not experiencing success at getting over it, you may need professional help. There are counselors that you can work with, but you can also work with coaches here at Revive Family if you'd like to tackle some of this in your life. Decreasing our fear and decreasing our stress is really important because that will protect us from burnout. It will help us respond and think more clearly as opposed to react and overreact with our kids, which can do so much damage to the relationship with them. Next week, we'll talk about great moms and what you can do to raise happy, caring kids without needing to spend more time. In fact, I believe the research gives us insights as to how we can actually spend less time and end up with happier, caring, more successful kids. Thanks for joining me, Jeff Schott, for Revive Families Connecting Hearts. We'll be back next week with more of Mama Bear, Amazing Moms. Have a great week. That's it for this edition of Revive Family Parenting in the 21st Century with Jeff Schott. We'll return soon with another program designed to help you become a wiser, more effective, more influential parent. Jeff's website is revivefamily.com. Parenting in the 21st Century is produced in association with Faith Radio. Jeff Schott is a pastoral counselor and coach. He is not a licensed healthcare professional. What you've heard is not a substitute for seeking professional medical or psychological support.